Good morning, Mission Hills. Uh, <clears throat> quite the journey for me to be at this place. I said I met your pastor when he was 15, and we were working on a moving crew uh, throughout the summer in Waco, Texas. And this moving crew consisted of me, two other college students, about 20 people who had just gotten out of jail, and, <laughs> and Ryan. <clears throat> so you can imagine the conversations that we developed over that summer. Uh, me teaching Ryan how to make a vodka-infused watermelon was something that I learned the day prior from one of the ex-cons. And so <laughs> we had just shared information along down the line. But it's been great to watch his maturity, uh, to watch his development over these years. Uh, I remember our lunches at a place called Catfish King. So you know we were in Texas. Um, but those conversations developed into a real friendship. And I did go to seminary after Baylor. And after seminary, I made a covenant with the Lord that I would never preach again. Uh -huh. But Ryan was in Vegas not too long ago, and we shared a meal. And he just said, you should come preach in my church sometime. And I tell people yes all the time to stuff because people don't follow through. Uh, but I get a text message at the beginning of the year, and he goes, I have the 14th open. I was like, that's a, that's a thing? You really wanted me to do this? <clears throat> and so I kept my word, and so I'm here. Um, he let me stay on his couch last night, and for him to open up his pulpit, we will see which one would be the most uncomfortable. <laughs> but I want to thank he and his wife uh, for opening up their home to me, and thank you for opening up your hearts and your ears for us this morning. Numbers chapter 13, if you have your Bibles. I'm going to be coming from the new, I'm going to be coming from the King James Version. Can everyone hear me okay with this thing? Be coming from the, the, the King James Version because I believe the language uh, of the King James Version for this particular subject uh, translates the best to what we're trying to accomplish. Numbers chapter 13, verses 26 through 33. <clears throat> and it reads, And they went and came to Moses and to Aaron, <clears throat> and to all the congregation of the children of Israel, and to the wilderness of Paran to Kadesh, and brought back word unto them and unto all the congregation, and showed them the fruit of the land. And they told him and said, We came unto this land, whether thou sent us, and surely it flows with milk and honey, and there is fruit in it. Nevertheless, the people be strong that dwell in the land, and the cities are walled and very great. And moreover, we saw the children of Anak there. The Amalekites dwell in the land of the south, the Hittites and the Jezebites, and the Amorites dwell in the mountains, and the Canaanites dwell by the sea and by the coast of Jordan. And Caleb stilled the people before Moses and said, Let us go up at once and possess this land, for we will be well able to overcome it. But the men that went up with him said, We be not able to go against these people, 
for they are stronger than us. And they brought up an evil report of the land which they had searched into the children of Israel, saying, The land though which we have gone to search is a land that eateth up the inhabitants thereof. And all the people that we saw in it were men of great stature. Verse 33, and this is the verse that we want to focus our textual attention to this morning. And there we saw the giants, the sons of Anak, which come of the giants. And we were in our own sight like grasshoppers. And so we were in their sight. For a few minutes this morning, we're going to dwell on the subject, and there we saw the giants. We're going to talk about developing a proper perspective for a prosperous new year. There was a church that was going through a bit of a transformation period. They wanted to be more impactful to their community. They wanted to be more involved around the neighborhoods surrounding them. They wanted to grow in maturity in their own congregation. So they started this campaign, and on the kickoff campaign, that Sunday worship service, the pastor stood before the congregation and said, brothers and sisters, this church is going to walk. And the congregants talked back to him and said, well, let it walk, preacher, let it walk. And the preacher, getting a little bit more comfortable, said, and brethren, this church is going to run. And the people talked back to him and said, well, let it run, preacher, let it run. And the pastor, excited now, said, this church is going to fly. And if this church is going to fly, it's going to take the financial contribution, the time sacrifices, and the resources and the effort of every one of our congregation. And the congregation said, well, let it walk, preacher. (laughs) Let it walk. Our text today finds us in a group of people that were like that congregation. Our story starts off, actually it begins with Abraham and God promises to Abraham that his inhabitants will, will and his, his, his descendants will inhabit the land of Canaan, this promised land. But his people went through 400 years of slavery, which was a bit of a setback for this promise. Uh, But in those days, this land of promise was called Canaan. Uh, But since Abraham's descendants had become slaves in Egypt for 400 years, but finally God acted. He rose up a leader in Moses, turned the heart of Pharaoh, and the Israelites were let free from their Egyptian slavery. Moses led them out of Egypt, and you know the story, they crossed the Red Sea And the army of Pharaoh pursued them, and the walls of the Red Sea collapsed and drowned the mightiest army in the land. These people, the Israelites, as they were wandering in the deserts, they were given the Ten Commandments so they could order their lives in their new land. Uh, And despite their murmurings from God every day about where are we going to get food, how are we going to provide, God continued to provide for them in the deserts. Then now our story finds them wandering the desert for all these years, and now they're finally at the cusp of this land that God had provided for them. They've come out of slavery. They've wandered through the desert. They've been scared. They've been anxious. But now the fulfillment of the promise is at hand. 
and something remarkable happens. They get to the cusp of the promised land and Moses sends out 12 spies to go and survey what the land looks like. What are the people like? What's the land like? Is there water? Are there, is there fruit? Is the land fertile? He sends out these 12 spies. They come back 40 days later with a report that says, yes, this land is flowing with milk and honey. They bring grapes that are so thick and juicy that it took two men to carry these things on a stick. The pomegranates were great. Everything they had, had dreamed about this promised land was indeed true. And now is their time to go and take what God had promised them, but wait. There are giants in the land. The walls of the, their cities were fortified, and the people said, no, 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 no. I thought this was going to be given to me. I wanted a place where I could eat, hang out, and chill. No one told me that I had to fight giants to get there. Uh, they didn't want to put in the effort to get there. They said, we will surely die if we fight these giants. It is better that we go back to slavery than to have our blood spilled in the desert. Their messed up perspective kept them from receiving their blessed up promises. I came up with that one in the shower. Some of us this year are on the cups of greatness. Uh, this year holds promises for us that God has and is ready to fulfill in our lives. But it's our perspective that is killing us. It is our perspective that is keeping us from going to our next level. I once heard an old black preacher in the South say, you can't, have, you can't be optimistic if you have a misty optic. And that's what we're going to be talking about today, the developing a proper perspective. Numbers 13, 33, when they saw the giants, the, 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 the first part of their inadequacy when it came to their, their, their perspective is that they first had an inadequate perspective of their outward situation. They had an, inactive, they had an inadequate outward perspective. Instead of seeing their giants as the emergence of their next level, they saw their giants as these obstacles that they could not overcome. And so I want to give you guys a couple of perspective items about how to view your giants. Your giants could be problems. Your giants could be enemies. Your giants could be adversaries. Your giants could be sickness. Whatever your giant is, Let's give some proper perspectives about giants. First of all, the emergence of giants in your life. They are divine signposts symbolizing that you're about to exit from your yesterday. That is how you know that you're about to enter your Canaan. When giants and problems emerge in your life, that means that you are close to your promises. If you are not seeing giants, that means you are not close. And so if you are seeing giants, giants are evidence that you are on the cusp of reaching your next level. But it's not just about seeing giants, it's about how we see our giants. Giants first appear at the birth of any significant season 
in your life. Your giants are an announcement from God that your present season has come to an end. When you have used up the benefits of this season, God sends an adversary as a way for you to enter what he has promised you. Your giant is a door and not a wall into your next season. Also, your giants are a natural and necessary part of your life. In the 1980s, there was uh, a scientific experiment done in the desert of Arizona. It's called the Biodome. It was a place where they had reconstructed the most ideal environs on Earth, put it under a glass dome to grow trees, vegetables, vegetation. It was amazing, and it was considered a huge success. But into the, 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 this, this whole experience, they ran into a huge problem, that when the trees became a certain size, and when the trees began to develop fruit, the, fr the trees would topple over. The scientists were baffled. They could not, they had no idea why the trees would not grow to maturation, why they could not grow fruit. They would just simply topple over. And then they realized that they had made a huge mistake under the biodome. They had had all the right earth conditions to grow trees and whatnot, but they did not replicate wind. Trees need wind in order to make their roots strong, in order to make their trunks strong, in order to make their branches strong. Without wind, without storms, without problems, without giants, we will not mature to strength. Just like those trees, we will topple over. You need storms, you need giants, you need problems in your life to strengthen you. And the giants that come into your life, just like the wind to those trees, they are not meant to destroy you, they are meant to develop you. And that is how we must see our giants. Facing your giants is an opportunity to reveal your difference from others. Joshua and Caleb went out with the 12 spies the, uh, the other 10 spies saw the problems, saw the effort that it would take. But Joshua and Caleb said, we can go possess this land. Only two of the 12 spies saw that the promises of the Lord could be fulfilled through their efforts. They were able to distinguish themselves among the other people who only saw the bad who only saw the heartache. So your giants give you an opportunity to reveal your difference from others. Your giants provide God an opportunity to reveal his commitment to you. He told these Israelites throughout their experience through the desert that he would never leave them nor forsake them, and he kept his promise. An unconfronted giant will flourish. What you are not willing to confront, you cannot conquer. And you're struggling. When you get into this confrontation with your giants, remember that your struggle is the proof that your giant has not beat you. As long as you are in the fight, as long as you struggle, that is evidence that your giant has not 
beat you. So the God within us is more powerful than the giants we will ever face. So first, the Israelites had an inadequate outward perspective. But let's go on. They also had an inadequate inward perspective. Let's go back to that verse number 33. What did they say about themselves? They said that we were like grasshoppers in our own eyes. You will always act like the person that you think you are. That's just a fact. Self-confidence is the most important thing that we have going for us. Self-confidence is a power. Self-confidence is a gift. It births an aura around you that decides what you will repeal and what you will attract. Self-confidence is like a seed. Self-confidence is like a muscle that if, felt, that if fed consistently will grow. It is the only quality, self-confidence, it's the only quality that you have that will demoralize your enemy. It is the only quality that weakens an adversary. So it is very important that we develop a self-confidence. Four ways to develop an adequate self-confidence is first you have to develop a, 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 a powerful self-portrait. Let me tell you how powerful a self-portrait is. None of the 10 spies who came back said a negative thing about God. They said that we were like grasshoppers. What they saw in their adversaries was bigger than what they saw in themselves. And for every day of doubt, after they had surveyed the land, which was 40 days, God gave them a year of heartache. 40 days of unbelief created 40 years of misery and pain. So recognize that doubt and unbelief attracts tragedies and loss. Every decision you make is based on either faith or doubt. So how do you develop a proper self-portrait? Well, the Israelites had made it through the desert. They had accomplished. They were at the cusp of their promised place. They were survivors, and they were conquerors, and they could not seem to remember that in the time that they needed it the most. The battle for your self-confidence does not happen on the battlefield. It happens in the mind. Do not be conformed to this world, but what? Be transformed by the what? The renewal of your mind. That's where the battlefield takes place with your self-confidence. Your external battles have already been lost if you have lost the battle of your mind. Your mind has two functions. Memory and imagination. The role of the memory is to replay past victories. Remember when David had confronted his giant before he went into battle? He began to remember, oh, I fought a, battle. I fought a bear. Oh, remember, I fought a lion. And when he began to replay those past victories in his mind, what? Imagination kicked in. Took three stones and a slingshot 
A little shepherd boy brings down a tall giant. As soon as you remember your past victories, remember your past successes, remember those good things that you have accomplished in your life, when you remember those things, they strengthen you. Your imagination kicks in and you're able to develop a proper self-portrait. One more thing about memory is that stop talking about things that you want to forget. Anything that you feed will continue to live. Remember in Genesis when Joseph had two sons, Genesis 41, 51 through 42, uh, Joseph had two sons. He said, I will name my firstborn Manasseh. He said, because it is God who has made me forget all of my trouble. He said, I will name my second son Ephraim because God has made me fruitful in the land of my suffering." There's a powerful sermon there. His first son, he named forgetfulness. His second son, he named fruitfulness. Before there is fruitfulness, there has to be forgetfulness. Leave those things behind. Develop empowering self-talk. Would you be friends with someone who talked to you the way you talk to you? Would you want to be around people? who talk to you the way you talk to yourself. Something that you are hearing is deciding what you are seeing in yourself. Self-talk is simply saying what you need to be hearing. Uh, I learned long ago that the world is not gonna tell you what you need to hear. You need to be your own best encourager. You need to be your own best conversationalist. When you look in the mirror, what do you see? Do you see a survivor? Do you see an overcomer? Do you see your difference? Find your difference. Self-confidence is birth, nurtured by self-talk. Victim talk attracts buzzards. It's okay to believe yourself powerful and meaningful. There's nothing wrong with that. A sinner with self-confidence has more power than a believer with no self-confidence. Your self-confidence, how you see yourself, how you talk to yourself. Stop talking yourself out of things, but start encouraging yourself to experiences. Third, develop impactful self-awareness. Discern and celebrate the difference in you. It's okay that you're different. God has put something in you that he has put in no one else. That is a fact. And some of you have rejected your difference and you're miserable. Remember, similarity, similarity breeds comfort, but your difference creates your reward. Lastly, on this point, destroy destructive relationships. Distinguish worthy relationships from destructive ones. Joshua and Caleb, they were the only ones who believed that everyone around them doubted. Get away from those doubters in 2018. Get away from those people who are bringing you down in 2018. These people have no part of our lives this year. Um, do you know that, that humans are the only mammals that do not avoid destructive relationships? We are the only ones. If you're on the Serengeti and you see a gazelle prancing around the Serengeti, he goes up to a watering hole, starts drinking water, and, a, and across from the watering hole, he sees a pack of lions. 
the gazelle is not going to go, well, maybe those lions had a rough childhood. <laughs> maybe, 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 those, maybe those lions are different. Maybe if I could go over there and help these lions. No, when a gazelle sees a lion, what does the gazelle do? The gazelle runs. I, uh, I travel quite a bit. And um, I hate Southwest because, for many reasons, uh, I hate Southwest first because most of the times they do not give you a direct flight. They're, they're connecting you somewhere in Wichita, somewhere. I hate connecting flights. But there's, some, there, 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 there's, there, there, there's something that could preach in connecting flights. I was flying back to Vegas about two months ago. I left Dallas. They connected me through Denver. And when we landed at Denver, some of the passengers had to get off at Denver. They were not going to Las Vegas. That got me to thinking that some people will start in your direction, but they will not make it to your destination. They're not going the same places that you are. They may start with you, but they won't end up with you. And we need to be able to recognize the destructive relationships in our lives. I want you guys to do this. I really want you to do it. I want you to now write down the names of two people in your life that believe in you, who have shown you favor, two people who have confidence in you. I really want you to do this. Write it down. Write down the name of two names. If that person is not sitting next to you, hide it. <laughs> or use this as our opportunity to say, you are not on this list. Write down the name of two people who see the God particle in you, who see the difference in you. They are not intimidated by your difference. They celebrate it. Nurture those relationships more in 2018. When we develop this self-confidence, I love, the, I, I, I love the, the verse in Isaiah 60. 60, 60, the 60th chapter of Isaiah, the first verse, it says what? Arise, shine, for your light has come, and the glory of the Lord rises in you. See, darkness covers the earth, and thick darkness is over the people, but the Lord rises upon you, and his glory appears over you. Nations will come to your light, and the kings to the brightness of your dawn. When you shine your light, when we walked into this church today and we turned on the lights, there was no opposition from the darkness. We, we did not sit here and watch a struggle between light and darkness. When you shine a light, the darkness scatters. And quickly, heard of the speed of light? Shine your light, arise. Shine your light. Men will come and be, be brightened by the brightness of your dawn. So not only do they have an inadequate outward perspective, they also had an inadequate inward perspective because they saw themselves as grasshoppers. But they also had an inadequate upward perspective. When I was in college, uh, we were broke, and uh, what we would do on Fridays and Saturday night, we would go to an apartment of a friend, play dominoes, 
someone would had snuck food out of the cafeteria, we would eat it there, and we would just hang out at a friend's apartment. Well, one of these particular nights, there was a boxing match on in the background, and we're watching the boxing match. It was against this, this scrawny white kid, this sort of buff black kid. And the first two rounds, man, this, this black guy just really had this guy on the ropes. I mean, he was whipping him good. And I opened my mouth and said, you know what? I bet this black box is going to knock this white guy out in the next two rounds. A buddy of mine chimed up and goes, uh, not only do I not think that the black guy is going to knock the white guy out, I think the white guy is going to win. I said, this is easy, easy money. So we put 20 bucks on it. Sure enough, something happened where the white guy got his momentum back and whipped this guy in 11 rounds. And so as I was trying to explain to my friend that why as Christians, we shouldn't be gambling, <laughs> my, my friend told me, he said, man, keep your money. This fight was on three nights ago. How easy it is to bet. How easy it is to say with confidence. How easy is it to take a side when you know who wins the fight? The Israelites, at the cuffs of their promised land, they had seen God act in their lives. They had seen the miracle at the Red Sea. They had seen the miracle of manna every day. They had seen the miracle of the Ten Commandments coming down. They had seen a pillar of fire lead them through their journey. God was undefeated on their behalf. And when it was time to trust him for the last time, they distrusted him the most. It should have been easy for the Israelites to go into this battle with the giants because they knew who would win the fight. So let this be said. Yes, God is big. We know that. God is big. But the bigness of God has no advantage unless he is big in me. The greatness of God is no reward to this earth if he is not great in me. He wants to show off through you. He, he wants to use you. He wants to prosper you. He wants to show you that his promises can be fulfilled. We are the arms, we are his legs, we are his extended hands, and we should remember who wins the fight. These big hands, these big arms, that's who we serve. My brother has two kids. Well, now he has three. He had one about two months ago. I keep forgetting her. Uh, <laughs> but I remember when they were a little younger, uh, he had an older girl, and then he had a little boy. And what the little boy would love to do, he would love to stand on a chair and jump into my brother's arms. My brother would get so close to the chair, and there he would leap. Oh, he loved doing this all day. And then one day, my brother said, hey, uh, Adarian, do you want to leap into your sister's arms? And he said, no. I only leap into big arms. That is how we should be. We should leap into big arms. 
and those arms that he has extended to us, they will never fail. There are three things to develop a proper upward perspective. Three simple things that you should remember. Remember God was for you. Remember God is with you. And remember that he will always be with you. So do not fear. Do not fear should be stamped on the passport of every Christian. Do not fear. There's no reason to fear. I love the story of the little girl who's flying on an airplane and there's turbulence. I mean, strong turbulence. The, the, the plane is being thrown around the sky. Everyone on the plane, they're shaking, clutching their seat, white in the face. But there sits a little girl at the front of the plane, just simply playing with her doll. A woman next to her said, honey, are you not afraid of this turbulence? And she said, no, because my daddy is the pilot. The confidence that we must have that our father is the pilot and that giants and problems and things that might deter us or scare us, they are no match. They are no match because we know the pilot. We are kin to the pilot and we know the pilot is strong. Amen? Amen. Let's conclude. There's no more wandering in the wilderness in 2018. No more of that. No more seeing our problems as bigger than we are. No more seeing ourselves smaller than what we are. And no longer seeing our God as non-existent. Let us keep a perspective this year coming into this 2018 that what is in us is greater than what is outside of us. Greater is he that is in us than what? Than he that is in the world. Knowledge decides your strength. Knowing who your giants are, knowing who you really, truly are, and knowing who your God is, that is what is going to lead into a prosperous 2018. Do we see ourselves as small and our problems big? I think that this year, in 2018, we stopped telling God how big our problems are. But we start telling our problems just how big our God is. That is the perspective of this 2018. Let me end with this story. There was a village that had a great and wise elder. People would come to him for advice, for wisdom. And there was this young man in the village who had had enough of this. He was going to make a fool of this old elder. So what he decided to do was just after a bird had hatched, he put this little bird in his hand. He came up to the elder. He said, Elder, the bird that is in my hand, is it alive or is it dead? If the elder would say the bird is alive, the guy would very savagely squeeze the bird, open his hand, and show him that the bird was dead. If the elder would have said the bird is dead, the young man would have simply opened up his hand and showed him that the bird was alive. So he said, Elder, is the bird in my hand alive or dead? The elder paused, looked down, and then looked at the young man and said, the answer, my friend, is in your 
hand. How will 2008 shape up for you? Will we be prosperous in this new year? Will you see your giants and your problems for what they are? Will you see yourself for who you are truly meant to be? And will you see your God for what he truly is? The answer, my friend, is in your hands. Let us pray. God above us, God within us, be now the God who forever surrounds us. Be the bridge now between our hurt and our healing. Through Christ we pray. Amen. Can we just stand to our feet? That was incredible. Thank you so much for coming today. Can we just sing this out? Sing this out. You've given. You've given me life. You've opened my eyes. I love you, Lord. I love you, Lord. You've entered my heart. You set me apart. I love you, Lord. I love you, Lord. You've given me life. You've opened my eyes. I love you, Lord. I love you, Lord. You've entered my heart. You set me apart. I love you, Lord. I love you. You've given, you've given me life. You've opened my eyes. I love you, Lord. I love you, Lord. You've entered my heart. You've set me apart. I love you, Lord. I love you, Lord. Say thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. You set me free. Christ my Savior. Christ my Savior. You've rescued me. my say